and welcome to yet another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Light Beer, Chris Clements, and next to Sean Noble, Dark Money Man. So I think you're getting you're getting you're really liking these intros. Well, you know, it's early, <laughs> and if we were to do this in the afternoon, I would not be as bright or as witty. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I've so had the, my workout as you have, obviously. The, the, actually, by I have I'm going to work out after okay. we're done here today. Um, but maybe that's the key. Maybe we just need to start earlier. In the day yeah, I, I'm all for it. I'm a little uh, bit brighter and bushy-tailed at, at nine versus three. So my wife was watching our first episode, our intro episode, um, the one where we just talked about ourselves. Yeah, she's like, "You have a very NPR vibe." <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, maybe we need to be more energetic. <laughs> is that like... And, it, it, and she says, it's not, as bad, not a bad thing. It might be what people want. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's what they want. I think we're new and we haven't, you know, we haven't gotten our groove. We just finally got like some background stuff. Well, and I think here, that for people so. watching, you'll see background and then you're going to see an episode where there's not background because, you know, we actually put a few in the can and are now introing, which in this case... I'll well, go ahead and let you intro our Yeah, we, so today we have a really interesting individual named Corey Frank. He um, is one of the principals at uh, the sales accelerator here at Canyon Ventures called Youngblood Works. Uh, what they are doing for a lot of the companies who are incubating here is taking over the sales functions of those companies and getting them to revenue quicker. And Corey's got a tremendous background in sales. Um both online sales, face-to-face, -face, I mean, anything that you could think of in terms of sales, this guy has done it. And has a, just a just an interesting take on where we are as, as business people and, and, and uh, what he's doing here is tremendous. They've grown from like four or five students. Now they've got about 20 people over there and they are crushing it for a lot of the companies. Yeah, here. well, and the thing that was surprising, and you'll hear this when you watch the episode, is they don't have any churn. I mean, they've, They've kept all the people they've brought in have stayed. I believe I expected it to be a big turnover. But. Yeah, I believe he said he had they lost one employee, and that was just because of another opportunity. It wasn't anything where they did not succeed in their goal setting. And if you if you're over there, you can they have everything on a board. Everything is tracked, which is great. And and if there's a success, they set goals for the day. And if there's a success, everyone's claps and hoots and hollers, and it's great. Yeah, it's a great sales environment. Yeah, uh, yeah this was a great episode. I think you guys are going to love this one. Yeah. My name is Corey Frank, and uh, I work with uh, Kevin Youngblood and the team over at um, Youngblood Works, little accelerator that we have uh, across 50 feet that way. So, Well, welcome back to... Light beer, dark money. I'm Sean Noble. This is Chris Clements. Welcome, and, uh, Corey. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for the invite. You you come with uh, a bit of a reputation. Um, that I've heard stories about you uh, about the you know insane amount of optimism that you have and how <laughs> what what a great pitch guy you are. And uh, you know I'm in politics and we uh -huh. have to pitch so to speak a lot. So I'm really looking forward to your insights on yeah, and your experience, that kind of thing. Because I think one of the things that people, it, it would, it, it, there really, to me, it, there's a lack of 
there's just not enough great sales guys. Mm. You know, people who know mm -hmm. how to tell, mm -hmm. you know, sell their message, sell their product, whatever it is. Um, and it, what's what's interesting is that I mean, obviously, coming out of the beer industry, beer is very good at sales and, and messaging. But politics, you, you, you talk about sales and politics, and people start to cringe and like, oh, no, and it, but sure. it's the same thing. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I'd love your answer. Well, you think about it, it's it's interesting, Sean. Right? I mean, where do where do folks who fall into sales, where do they come from? Right? There's no GMAT or LSAT or um, you know. Uh, certification that's needed to fall into our profession and uh, probably similar to, to politics as well, right? Hey, steam this mirror and, you know, be a silver tongue devil a little bit and, uh, you know, read this little pitch document. And, you know, if you're photogenic enough, right, uh, present company excluded, right? I mean, <laughs> you can, uh, you can make a, you can make a career of it, right? Perfectly, you know, quaffed hair. And, and so sales, I think it's interesting because how, how, how we fell into it or what we're trying to do here at GCU with Kevin Youngblood and I, is can we take um, students, can we take um, uh, sales folks who maybe haven't had the right blend of opportunity and, um, and organization and teamwork and put them in a place where they can get solid messaging, they can get um, uh, some coaching on what they say, how they say it, um, how to dress, how to do a firm handshake, how to make eye contact, how, what the books to read, how to journal, all this kind of finishing school type stuff. And does it make a difference for the clients? Does it make a difference in, in sales? And um, But your point, Sean, yeah, where, where, do, where do folks go to learn what, certainly, Chris, you come from a background of, uh, of entrepreneurs, right, Sean, and from what you learned in, in, uh, in, in, in your world, but where do, we, where do we get it? You know, is it from the zigs of the world and the Tony Robbins of the world? But, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quest that I think folks should understand that it is a profession that has science, right? The rules of gravity still apply to you. And it's not something that, you know, you should just take to heart that your Aunt Edna pinch you on your cheek as a, you know, as an aiming or a, 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 a you know, kind of a blithering 23-year-old right out of school and say, you know, you should be in sales, Sean. You got a great personality. And, well, I guess I'll do sales or law school, right? How many of us <laughs> face with? I mean, we clearly have too many lawyers and not enough. <laughs> I mean, that's... that's or too the, many politicians, well, depending on the point of view. Well, lawyers. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the challenge. So, I mean, what you describe about what we were doing here at GCU seems to me that it is probably something different than what other schools are doing in their business environment. I mean, maybe they are doing it, but I have never, I mean, I went to ASU, you know, mm -hmm. had experience with a number of different colleges, business schools, just, you know, interviewing kids that come out of business school. I mean, is this unique? Is this the only place that this is happening? I mean, how, and, and how yeah. did you, how did you get to, how did you get here? Because yeah. this is a great service. Provided yeah, I don't kids. know if it is. I think it's becoming more, uh, uh, popular. I know there's uh, Ohio University has a great sales school. Uh, I know Baylor University has a great sales school. Um, uh, Texas Tech. Um, and uh, there's a number of universities, I think, that are putting it more than just under their marketing program, under mm. their just, uh, you know, communications program, actually saying, hey, there, there should be a sales, you know, curriculum. And uh, you know, learn from from the masters, the Jim Rohns and the Tony Robbins and the Ziggs and the you know Oren Claps of the world, and that the, the the study of biophysiology and why people do what they do, 
right, is um, it's, it's, it's science. And uh, there's, uh, you know, you, you look at, um, you know, in a traditional pitch, for instance, right? You, we talked this to the, to the folks over there as one of the kind of the building blocks is that in a traditional pitch, whether it be a politician's pitch, I imagine the same thing for you, Sean, um, or uh, an advertising pitch or beer pitch is that you need four key elements. You need humor, intrigue, curiosity, and, but also tension. And there's to be a fair amount of tension in there. And I think a lot of newer folks who fall into sales they have such a need for approval, a high need for approval. Um, they're used to getting the seventh place, place uh, ribbons and trophies right. and things of that nature, is that they want to be liked more than they want to get the potential deal. And so incorporating tension um, doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're a jerk, doesn't mean that I'm overly aggressive, but I need to set a line of boundaries and I need to be prepared to walk if those boundaries or that that relationship isn't isn't fulfilled. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing for for a lot of folks is that I can read the sales books, but putting into practice. And so what what we've what we've done here at GCU is to put it in practice where we put them in a place which is the great equalizer and the uh, the octagon of our day right is the cold call is putting you on the phone talking to strangers. And asking them for time, not necessarily money. And the fact that we can do that at scale, um, it turns these folks into deadly phone assassins, assassins in a very, very quick amount of amount of time. How uh, talk about the growth? I mean, I, it, it's it's I I've, I've seen what's going on out here. It seems to me it's a pretty vibrant operation, but it didn't just come out of thin air, right? Uh, a little, yeah, a little bit uh, from, you know, necessity is the, the mother invention, I think it is, is that where uh, Kevin Youngblood and I, uh, we started talking to, in my practice and in Kevin's practice, we work with a lot of new organizations, pre-funded, Series A funded organizations. And oftentimes what we, what we find in those organizations is they may have great solid product, they may have great financing, they may have a great pedigree of, of an investor or, or angel community behind them, but is there real solid product market fit? And what we, what we continue to see is how are you gonna go to market to determine that product market fit? And so one of the concepts that we use is, is looking at the square root of your TAM. If you look at your total addressable market, and let's say it's 10,000, and the square root of your TAM, 100 folks, should give you enough of an idea of whether you have solid product market fit. Now, your competition is also after those same 100 folks. So how quickly then in this land grab can I talk and have trust-based conversations with those 100 folks? For some, an average inside salesperson, field sales rep, they're going to make on average of 47 outbound phone calls a day. That's average, of less of which less than half of those are cold. So mm. you're talking about dialing the phone about 20, 25 times to a total addressable market that you're trying to penetrate. And of those 25, you're probably going to talk with about two or three people a day and maybe convert one, maybe half, maybe three quarters. So how long will it take me to get to even product market validation? Right, And so what we see, and what Kevin and I continue to see, is that companies would burn through their Series A money, burn through their, you know, their, their pre-A money, burn through their A money, and then when they'd get a big check, I got to hire a VP of sales. 
I got to hire a, an SVP of sales. I got to hire a whole bunch of biz dev folks. I got to hire a whole bunch of sales folks. Because those VCs, obviously, they're not bad people, but they want you to spend their money. They don't want to put your money, their money to sleep. They want to put it to work. And so now you have a group of 50 biz dev folks all calling 20, 25 people a day. And so over time, you can see how uh, the, you know, they're come to Papa when you want a B round or a C round, and I'm just going to get more and more. And so we wanted to kind of stem that cycle and, and maybe just put a little bit of a pause on that traditional cycle for a lot of entrepreneurs by saying, listen, um, you need to get your product to market as quickly as possible and validate whether there's a fit. Good is the enemy of great. And we see companies trying to perfect their company right? Uh, we have a lot of companies here that they're just perfectionists and they want everything perfect. The logo's got to be just so and the, the communication has to be just so. And I'm just a big dumb farm animal as a sales guy. Just release me and let me talk with a bunch of strangers and say, listen, we think we've discovered a real breakthrough that could completely eliminate the X or the Y that you're currently experiencing in your marketplace. Don't know this is a fit or not, but I tell you what, I'd love to grab maybe 10, 15 minutes of your time talk with somebody a lot smarter than I am and we can figure out, right? I mean, that's, that's basically the pitch. And that discovery call that happens after the cold call is a product in and of itself. Mm -hmm. right. And what we see is a lot of entrepreneurs try to sell on that call, that discovery call. But that discovery call that happens after the cold call is truly just that, a discovery. The market is on fire and your message is the water. And so what problem do you solve for those entrepreneurs that even if they don't buy your product can be solved, can they can be a little bit further educated in that discovery call? And so that's kind of the, 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 um, the birth of this concept over a couple of beers is to say, listen, I think we, we have this problem in the world of entrepreneurs and A-round, pre-seed, pre-chasm companies, and what can we do to, to, to address it? Wow, that's fascinating. When, you, when you're bringing students in, what sort of resistance do you get with, you know, understanding, first of all, understanding the mission, second of all, understanding the science that you're talking yeah. about and, and what's expected of them? Because I, I would imagine this is, it's all new, sure. obviously. They've, they, they've, they've been doing mostly classwork other, other than maybe a, a job here or there. And so this well, becomes I, something... It, it, and it's new, right? I mentioned for both of you, when you would hire intern Sean or or you, Chris, right? Let's say a marketing intern out of U of A or a political science intern out of, you know, ASU or DC or wherever, is they would probably already know a little bit of what's expected from a curriculum. Hey, digital marketing campaign, I learned about that in school. Hey, political science, I know how this race was, was won and fought. I know what messaging works or not. But in sales, oftentimes, uh, there, there is a little bit of, a, uh, of an aversion um, that, I, I, again, I've got to pick up the phone and I've got to talk to people. Shouldn't there be an easier way? There's got to be a shortcut. Yeah. You know, after, after, you know, 60, 70 years of direct phone outreach, certainly somebody's come up with something, and I think I can be the guy or the gal that can come up with something, Chris and Sean, that I'm just not going to pick up the phone. I'm going to start sending emails. Or I'm going to do a LinkedIn campaign, or I'm going to show these guys that I can talk to more people 
than just picking up, making these guys making me pick up the phone and talk to them. And um, so we, we, we always want to embrace those rogue elements, right? I think folks who are rule breakers, like last borns, mm-hmm. right, are notorious right. rule breakers. And they're the funny ones. They're the majority of the comedians. But you need a healthy amount of firstborns on your team as well to say, okay, first do step A, check. Then do step B, okay, check, and step C. Thirdborns are always like, how do I get to Q? And how do I get to T? And how do I just get to So if you have this kind of nice amalgam, this cocktail of different personalities, they kind of keep each other honest as they as they move forward. But um, but we got to find their why more than anything else of what they're what they're looking for when they graduate or when they're when they're a junior or senior as we hire a lot of students here today. Well, I'm guessing that you have a pretty pretty healthy churn of kids that come in and out because you know, some probably don't. So far, no, we haven't. Really, no, we, we've had we've amazing. had one who left in the ten months we've done this, and she is going to get her teacher certification. So other than that, I probably just jinx myself, depending on when this comes out. But, <laughs> um, but no, we're, you know, we, we, we start with the, uh, um, you know, I think what all of us, all of our mentors said, you know, kind of, kind of um, you know, hire slow and kind of fire fast. And we haven't had to fire fast at all. But the hire slow process is, uh, we always tell them this, this, this same story. It's an oldie but a goodie. I'm sure all of our mentors uh, said this is a guy walks past a construction site and he sees five people laying brick. Okay. And goes to the first guy and say, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, making six bucks an hour. It goes to the second guy, hey, what are you doing? He's like, uh, building a wall. It goes to the third guy, what are you doing? He's like, you know, um, uh, uh, laying, laying brick, man. And goes to the fourth guy, what are you doing? He's like, I'm building a cathedral. And he goes to the fifth guy, what are you doing? He's like, I'm saving men's souls. Now, they're all doing the same job, right? But the fourth and the fifth, guy or gal, they're probably going to pay a little bit more attention to detail and see a piece of paper on the floor and picking it up and say, I know Chris was a little down today. Hey, boss, you may want to, you know, grab Chris for a beer because I think he's, you know, his dog died or, you know. And so those folks who want to save men's souls and build a cathedral are the ones that you're you're after. And but as as I think you guys can attest from hiring so many folks in your career is that, um, you know, you how, how do you flush that out? How do you identify that early on? Um, and one of the easy ways, I don't think we have a, um, a foolproof way, is we do two things. Number one, we give them homework assignments. I just give them a book, a little small book, like the size of Who Moved My Cheese. It's either The War of Art or um, Turning Pro. They say, hey, read this, read this overnight. If you can't sleep and you toss and you turn and you can't help but think about this place, give us a call because we probably have something more to talk about. If you go home and you sleep like a baby and you never think about this place and it's in your rear view, then either way, you have an idea. That's number one. Number two is we take a, a, a water bottle, right? like maybe just a little bit left, and we put it on their floor next to their chair where they're going to come in in the interview. And if they come in and if they pick up that water bottle on their way out and throw it out, like, oh, so somebody just naturally going to pick up a water bottle and throw it out. Then, you know, have somebody who kind of sees the world and has a situational awareness of making it, you know, kind of what you do at Uncommon Road, making it, is, this, is, is it better? I'll leave the place a little bit better than how I found it. Yeah. And a little piece of paper, something obvious, not a $20 bill or something like that, but something obvious where clearly that doesn't belong there. And then see what they do with it. And most of the folks right by yeah but you get those occasional <laughs> students that are saying oh is this yours and so then you know and that's kind of the first seat fascinating mm-hmm. how did you get connected with kevin 
You know, uh, two really good friends of mine work with Kevin at uh, Journeyage, which is another great company here at uh, at GCU. And one of them is Roz Yaloff, who uh, Roz is the CTO and the co-founder of, of Journeyage. And Roz and I worked together at a company called 41st Parameter, uh, which is a fraud company that we, we built up and started around our kitchen table. And Roz came over from Israel, not knowing much English and with his kids and helped us start 41st Parameter. And we eventually sold that to Experian. And uh, Derek Kinzer, uh, runs marketing for uh, Journeyage. And Kevin was at a Christmas party uh, this past year or so, uh, 2019. And he said, hey, I'm thinking about putting a band together of a couple of folks who want to run some um, incubator, accelerator type of, uh, uh, type of movement. And do you know anybody? And Roz and Derek both said, you need to talk with Corey. And so Kevin and I, uh, Kevin and I met a little bit over a year ago. And our philosophies, I think, were... We're relatively aligned, and uh, and so far, you know, twelve months later, we're still doing this. It's great. It's meant to be. It was a little bit different from your previous experiences, which are lengthy. We don't have all time to go through all of them. But coming into an academic environment and, yeah. and a place that, I mean, let's let's face it, a year ago, I mean, entering COVID, this place shut down. Right. Uh, you know, I office right across from you and. I didn't see that office for six, at least six months. Yeah, I, I yeah. really didn't come in. So did that give you a little apprehension? Number one, the COVID shift. Number two, just being in a, a new environment, academically speaking. And yeah, just, that, that's a great question, Chris. This, this is all new for me. Yeah. Uh, being in an environment like this where there's so many top shelf entrepreneurs within arm's reach to say, hey, I think I'm screwing up here. What should I do here? Hey, is this? am I seeing this right? What are you hearing? Um, what am I screwing up on? Hey, look at my numbers. And so just to have that uh, accessible is something that's new versus picking up the phone or sending an email or grabbing your mentors. So that's that's been great. The, the pipeline of the talent that comes in this place has been something that has, uh, has, has, has really been staggering. I did not expect that, uh, you know, I've, I've had brothers that go to uh, ASU and Barrett, right? My uh, my two sons go to go to ASU Barrett. I'm from the West, went through a, to an okay um, uh, seven years of community college. Now I went to uh, university <laughs> back there. And so I assumed that, you know, to your earlier point, Sean, that a lot of college colleges are pretty much the same. And the talent pool that we're able to, you know, to grab um, students for positions like this are pretty much the same. And... Uh, I was not ex expecting, probably you guys probably comment on that too, that the level of just good stock that these, these kids come from, great parents, great families, great aspirations, the, the professors, the teachers here clearly um, uh, mold these folks into, into great, not just great smart citizens, but, 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 um, uh, but great entrepreneurs. Um, one of my one of my mentors always said, "Listen, Corey, when you because uh, I have eight children, right? So uh, uh, I could probably fund a wing here or something like that at GC. <laughs> Maybe they name a school business school after me." Um, but uh, they said, "Listen, do you want to get your kids into Harvard or do you want to get them to heaven, right? So when you choose where you want to send your kids, just be sure that you know you, you don't send them away. They get an education, but they lose their soul." Sure. And I think that I've uh, just been very pleasantly surprised with the, with, the, with the students that we've had to help build the foundation of this thing, how, how true they are to live in their faith, and uh, especially in this world that we, we live in today. 
It's interesting that you say that because I have a, I've heard this several times from people outside of GCU who run businesses, especially in the hospitality business, mm -hmm. you know, re restaurateurs or, or, um, hotel owners or what have you. And, and to a, to a person when they hire a GCU student, it's the feedback that I, that I hear just in, just random feedback is other, oh, they're, they're my best employees. Where does that come from? You they think? show up on time. Yeah. They know what they're supposed to be doing. They work hard. I don't get any complaints, and their their spirit is just off the charts and, and for the work mm -hmm. and to a T. And so this is a special place. But is that, it nurture or nature? Do you think, or a little bit of both around here? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, they you have to be coming from a place where you want that, where you want to be pursuing God, mm -hmm. pursuing something better than yourself. Sure. And you want to be in an environment where that's welcomed, where that's encouraged, where that's part of the DNA. Mm -hmm. And and GCU has has developed that. Yeah, yeah. And and so the, the work that you're doing, I mean, everyone over there has a great spirit. So it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me you haven't lost anyone because everyone there is you know they're all rowing from the same playbook. Yeah, singing from the same playbook, rowing mm -hmm. the same oar. So mm -hmm. it's it's. Um, I'm mixing my metaphors, sorry, <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a special thing and you don't see it, mm -hmm. see in many places. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's been great to see. And we, uh, certainly, uh, will continue to hire more and more of them. So, so Robert, if you're listening, put me down for <laughs> at least another dozen. So. Yeah. Well, we, we interviewed Robert a couple of weeks ago and, and he, you know, he's now on recruiting trails for everything yeah. that's going on here, yeah. both on the business side. He says he's got like 30 companies. And then he's he's got students who want to pour in here. Sure. He, he believes like within the next year they could have over a thousand students hired hmm. into companies, wow. which completely changes the dynamic of higher education in terms of you know you don't just go to Absolutely. go to college just to sit in a dorm and, and go to class all the time and maybe hopefully kind of get a job afterwards. Your your job is actually to train yourself up while you're here, mm -hmm. and this is a perfect environment for that. Well, and I think with with the certainly the three of us and the collective group around here is we're also the reciprocal effect is to re help revitalize the West Valley here. And if we can plant the seeds where they these future entrepreneurs realize I can build a pretty incredible company here in the West Valley. I don't have to go to Scottsdale. I don't have to go to Tempe. Um, I could do it right here with the talent pool that continually will will yield um, a, a great level of, of, of thinking and, and, and effort. Um, then why move? Yeah, you know, I can make this my home. Uh, that's a great, great point. And it, I mean, we we talked a little bit about that with Robert that this this can be a transformative uh, situation for Maryville for this area. I mean, it would be pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Nothing else has worked so far. <laughs> well, the Brewers, the Brewers would argue that yeah. the Maryville's worked right. for them. So, yeah, you know, so far. Mm -hmm. Well. This has been fascinating. We're going to want you back because as we have others come in, we're going to want to want to hear about what's going on, the growth, and and then also talk more about your personal story. Sure. Because uh, I think that's going to be of interest. Right? Yeah. yeah, to one, to my mom. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> to to the one person. We'll listening. send her a direct link. <laughs> that, that, that's right. We've got three people right? listening. Uh, I see. <laughs> I am curious, though, and I'll let you, is the... the um, uh, the, the title of the podcast, 
Um, talk, I, I, I'm curious, I talked to you before we jumped on, but talk a little bit about that and, and kind of what the mission is. Because uh, I really thought that was that was compelling enough, and you know, I'm sure you can read it on the marketing messaging, etc. But kind of the why behind what's you your cathedral? This on us? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely yeah, but just the, the cathedral <laughs> and the saving men's souls about about the uh, about the podcast itself. Well, I mean, we in terms of the the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's an ode really to our past and things that we've we're, we've done in our past that we're not ashamed of by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I was the CEO of a very large beer distribution company mm-hmm. that, that sold five years ago mm-hmm. today. Today? Today. Oh, happy anniversary. And um, actually closed yes, five years ago yesterday, but the big announcement happened. That was your Everything day, five flipped, years ago. Flipped, flipped today. So, but, you know, so I sold a lot of light beer. Um, <laughs> Sold a lot of live beer. Introduced Michelob Ultra to the state of Arizona. It was the number one test market. Those tri- type of things. So, um, and but Grand then, Canyon is a dry campus, though. Correct? Of course. Well, except for the the cafe across okay, the way. Gotcha. Okay, but ASU appreciates everything in U of A that you've, that you've <laughs> done. That we've contributed. <laughs> NAU, of course. But um, and then with Sean, uh, at, at one point in, in Sean's life, and he can speak to this. He he was deemed the the prince or the king of dark money. Uh, for raising an so inordinate, he, he spent he he sold a lot of light beer. I spent a lot of dark money. He spent a lot of <laughs> dark <laughs> money. All right. So, um, but part of the the title is, you know, these are part of our past, but mm-hmm. we're not bound to our past. Got it. Right. That who we are today is different than we were five years ago, mm-hmm. and and they our past do not define us in, in while walking with God. Sure. And so um, that's. That's why our other tagline is faith, freedom, and, and free enterprise. And we're just hoping to elevate the discussion in those three areas. Sure. Have some really great folks like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Uh, as part of the podcast and, 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 and that, are, that are working hard in those three areas, in, in areas of faith, freedom, and free, free enterprise. Mm-hmm. And we want com, you know, conflicting views with ours and, and our worldview because we know that we don't have all the answers. And but we and we also see people doing some amazing work in a world right now that is crying out for, un, well, lack of a better word, unity, but togetherness uh, for faith, mm-hmm. and and we're just hoping to elevate the discussion. But and you guys to don't bring and to yeah. bring attention to the great things that are happening that would people have no idea. I mean, I. I didn't have any idea about what was happening here until sure. just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this is amazing. We need to be talking about it. And Robert was, you know, gracious enough to allow us to host the podcast mm. here. But that gives us a chance to interact with you and others to say, hey, this is a great story. Let's get it out there. Maybe that's going to bring, you know, some a, a higher level of thinking for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think it just it's a testament to. You could be incredibly successful in, in politics and in uh, um, and in uh, marketing and, and, and beverage and distribution, and not sell your soul, and um, and not sit on a beach somewhere drinking mai tais. That okay, part of that servant's heart that you both had of being in politics and being in distribution and hiring as many people as you did over the years, right? Is also that that doesn't end just because you know the company changes hands or because your candidate didn't necessarily, you know, have the result they wanted is that that's a, it is truly, it's just a different life of, of, of purpose. It is about building those cathedrals and those saving men's right. souls. So right. I like that. Well said. Good. 
we should have him pitching for us. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> Thank you. Great. Absolutely. For Thanks Maybe for having me on his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah, go. That's right. <laughs> you want to talk about lowering the. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would, that would. We talk about market dominance, marketdominanceguys.com. So that, that, that would tank the entire thing. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll have you back. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you yeah, very much. Thanks, Corey. Okay. Really appreciate it. You got it.